Welcome to Duct Tape and Paper Clips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhood. That's right. And tonight we're breaking down season two, episode nine, Silent World. Silent World. Will it hold up? We're going to find out. But first, let's catch up a little. Annie, I am awake. I am here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how you are. I don't. Um, so what what came over you when you decided to do a 23 hour <laughs> streaming comedy marathon yeah i mean the listener uh for, if you don't know the reason this episode is coming out late uh is because <laughs> uh vermont comedy club hosted a 23 hour marathon a live stream comedy marathon it was not 24 because of daylight savings time and uh we were uh, you you asked that question as though i it was my idea and it was not my idea. <laughs> i know i i sort of assumed it wasn't but um yes my wife and business partner natalie has great ideas hey let's do a 24-hour <laughs> comedy festival um and she has those ideas like two weeks before before when you really need like two months to plan something like that and i'm like there's no way we're gonna be able to plan that in two weeks and she's like we'll figure it out uh and i'm like maybe a 12-hour one and she's like but that's not as hooky so uh, uh to be fair to her it all came together brilliantly people had a great time we had no significant technical issues which was a miracle um so we're a little beat but we had a great time and just had a ton of people come out and watch and perf and perform and a lot of weird weird hours in there in the 3 a.m block and you know it was great yeah, no, I had a lot of fun. We did a live um, taping of this podcast. We did. I um, almost forgot that. <laughs> slash game show slash whatever yes, fanfic palooza that we did. And um, and yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun to be talking about MacGyver um, not tied to a specific episode. I loved um, the experience of collaborating to like write our own couple scenes of MacGyver because we've just been so steeped in this for so yeah. long. That <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, I'm sure the listener will see this at some point, whether they'll see video from the event or they'll mm -hmm. see, you know, they'll hear it on a bonus episode or something, but um, you and I uh, bounced a Google document back and forth and collaborated on our own version of a short episode of MacGyver, which we then read aloud with our two guests, Carmen Lagala and Kyle Ayers. And then we also, Kyle Ayers also wrote a little script, a similar script, having never seen MacGyver. Um, yeah based on what he thought it might be, uh, which we also acted out. So those were super fun. And uh, yeah, it was great to like, it was very cathartic to get some of that shit out of our system that we've been bitching about on this podcast. Absolutely. Um, just proving that um, we, we're willing to put our money where our mouths are and, <laughs> and put pen to paper uh, and write some over the top 80s cheesy stuff. Yes. Um, oh, love it. Um, what else is going on with you? What have you been doing? So um, I went to Death Valley last weekend, which yeah. was incredible. Um, just sort of like three days of hiking, um, which was great. I mean, like I can't really wait until I don't have to give a shit about hiking anymore, but um, it's the only thing that I can do right now <laughs> in the pandemic. So, um, so I'm leaning into it and yeah. And yeah, it was really fun. Um, the one bummer though, I have to say, and I hate to be like a snitch and a call out, but like the mask compliance in that part of California mm. was just atrocious. Really? Like it was really bad. Um, you know, and I go 
I'm on trails and in parks basically every week. And like this was by far um, the least amount of people like paying attention to COVID protocols. So that was kind of stressful, Mm. honestly. So it was aptly named. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those of us who have been fortunate enough not to get COVID for this last year, we're not fucking getting COVID within weeks of getting a vaccine in our arms. We're not doing it. Absolutely not. I have... I have made too many damn sacrifices over the past <laughs> year to get COVID now. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, so yeah, yeah. I I am continuing to travel with my hand sanitizer and my masks and my Clorox wipes in my car for any and all occasions that yes. I need to do anything. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Not we doing did uh, we, when you were in Death Valley, we did a little like uh, kind of work retreat where we pulled a few mm-hmm. of our uh, our employees together and COVID tested the shit out of each other and ourselves like for uh, several <laughs> weeks at a time, uh, and then went into an Airbnb and kind of plotted out the eventual reopening of the club, and it was really fun. And man, it's uh, real interesting to see what happens when you get away from your own business for a full year, and then you come back to it with fresh eyes and a, a, a team. And a- so what are the big changes we're going to see? It's all going to be puppets. Like yeah. what are, <laughs> puppets. What are we- it's going to be a lot of magic acts. Um, <laughs> a lot of um, uh, what are those guys who do the the piano, the grand piano uh, request things? Sing-alongs. Oh, God, you're going to have the, <laughs> just the, the, I don't even know what. Dueling pianos. That's what I was thinking pianos. of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. Well, I mean, there's you a niche literally there. could probably yes. uh, do a dueling piano night. Puppets, and magicians, dueling it. pianos, yeah. all that stuff. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, not, some of it I'm not at liberty to really talk about because I feel like we're going to be rolling stuff out eventually. It's just interesting to look at um, when you start your own business. I remember, I remember being like a few weeks out from opening the club and wondering what our life was going to be like on the other side of it and having really mm-hmm. no idea how it was going to change our lives or what the what the reception would be of the club or anything and then once it, it once it started to kind of take off and get its own rhythm going it just becomes its own machine a little bit like you know it, it kind of develops yeah. its own sense of what it is and um, because you're so busy and so in it running it you it's like trying to t- steer a battleship you don't really have the bandwidth to be able to like change much about it um so to to have the opportunity to like think about like hey we could just reinvent this whole thing if we wanted to right. um we may not but just having the opportunity to kind of like take a step back and be like we could steer this in any direction now that we want to because everything's clear to us yeah because the slate is clear and i think it it it's also i have experienced this just running shows that it, are not even a physical club like people have an experience of something that may not be what you intended it to be, you know, and may not, you know, they have an association and identity and feelings and thoughts about it that like you can't necessarily control as even as the person who made the thing. Um, So that's That's the case with any kind of art or anything like you, like someone will fall in love with a band's first album. And Mm -hmm. then they're like, you either like do the same thing for the second album, make everybody happy, or you decide like, okay, we're going to go in another another direction. You're going to lose some of your fans, you know? Right. Like someone had a weekend that they came to the club and it was like this and that's what they think the club is. Um, And if they come back, you know, five years later and we've totally changed things, then it's going to be a different experience. And and that's fine. Like uh, if, think that's what we've learned through this whole thing is that we need to be okay with you know okay well we'll we'll gain new people who love the new way things go or you mm-hmm. know um but we don't have to be beholden to exactly the way it used to be because that's what everyone likes it's great that they like it um but the whole reason that they are there is because they 
you know, fell in love with something we created, right? It's like we can create something right. else that they'll also fall in love with. Yeah. And and I think change is like people are always resistant to change, but like one of the benefits of the pandemic has been like you have that reset and that break. And I think that people will have kind of their expectations of a lot of things reset. Totally. Um, and I think you'll see a lot of things coming back in a different way. Uh, like I know folks who run music festivals are thinking the same way, like, okay, this is an opportunity. Like, how do we want to tweak this? Are you starting to get the ants in your pants that I am? I am having incredible like vaccine FOMO. And I'm also <laughs> like, I'm just feeling like I can start to conceptualize when I might be comfortable doing things like mm -hmm. being indoors with people or or going to an event or, you know, things like that. So are you? Oh, yeah. That? I mean, it's like, especially when you live in a place where we just got our first uh, 50 degree day the other mm -hmm. day. And it was just amazing. Everyone's outside. It's sunny and beautiful. Um, it, it's like, this feels like hope. <laughs> and fully aware, I'm fully aware that this is all stuff that come like this conversation is coming from a place of Total privilege. Totally. Um, but it is a real thing. It's a real thing that, you know, you, you go a year without seeing uh, all your closest friends or being able to touch them. And it's like, okay, it does feel like. Yeah, it is a real thing. And it is like, I I want to let go of the resentment of like feeling like I really did the quarantine thing. And so mm. many people did it. <laughs> so um, hard. It's so hard to get but over But it's that. hard. Like it's, yeah. I know that you have to let go of that judgment because there is zero control I have over what other people do and it's now my business, but dear God. Well, I because it's always the shittiest it. people. It's like exactly. all the shittiest people are having the most fun <laughs> and know. all the smartest people are having the most miserable year of, of, of their lives. It's the worst. It's, yeah. It's, I had a conversation um, with someone the other day. I'm like, but I have been so good. I am, I, I am <laughs> ready. I, I should get to be the first person. And that those gets people out of will this. have their karmic comeuppance eventually somehow. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not overtly. It might be. It might yeah. take the form of something more minor. But I, I do like the idea of like one day we're owed. All the smart people are owed a year, where all the dumb people have to stay inside, and I we know. get to have fun. I know. I'm. I'm ready. If I have to have fun with the dumb people, I'm willing to do that also. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm ready. I'm ready. Get me a vaccine. <laughs> speaking of dumb stuff, we should we should move on to our dumb show with our very great guest and uh, and kick things off here. So let's let's uh, let's bring our guest yeah. in. She is a absolute delight. You have seen her on Conan and in Bad Santa Two and on festivals all over the world. Uh, please welcome our hilarious friend Jenny Zagrino. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Hooray! You're here. Yeah. Uh, it's great to see you. What is life like? I uh, I see so much fun. It's like, it seems like you're splitting your time between uh, hilarious TikToks and selling antique furniture. <laughs> we don't need to go through this, okay? No, <laughs> Not every, life is a never-ending nightmare. Okay, <laughs> that's all you need to know is that I'm just in survival mode. And <laughs> here we are. <laughs> it seems like some of it's kind of fun. Yeah, no, it's great. It's just like stand-up comedy. Right. <laughs> it's just like being on stage live in front of an audience. It's just like expressing myself through my art 100% yeah, and right. then uh, being glued <laughs> to my phone for 
I think I clocked in seven hours of screen time today. Oh my goodness. I mean, so, so I'm actually a little curious about that. Cause like, as an old person who who mm-hmm. has like very little grasp on TikTok, especially that the, that is the one place where I look at like younger people creating content, and I'm like, I can't even understand how this like it blows my mind how quick they're turning out content, you know, and how how fast mm-hmm. and polished it is. Is it very time consuming? It's super time consuming, and it feels very stupid. Um, yeah. and it feels even more, it's just like, now it's like Twitter, the same Twitter trolls, but like with a face that you can see. Right. Mm. I feel like we're catching you in a, in a mood today. Oh, you caught me in a very bad mood. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I already cried once today. You should have oh used, you should have used the hall, the, the stairwell <laughs> footage is all I'm saying. For those of you who don't know, that'll be a Patreon for you to see later. But... I've been, I've been trying not to divulge that we, we did, we did this once before. I don't care. It didn't quite work out. But, I'm uh... on the podcast now. <laughs> now it's about my problem. <laughs> This is our full transparency. Like we're not, yeah. we're gonna not gonna lie to you, listeners out right. there. We're right, gonna right. tell you oh, what. I'll tell them. Is. Okay. <laughs> I on Sunday was caught up in my fucking furniture business that I have to do because right. comedy is closed because <laughs> fucking Texas decides it's gonna reopen everything because they want all of their citizens to die, which honestly is fine. But anyways, so I got caught up in the furniture business. Missed the fact that I was supposed to do this thing, showed up in the stairwell with my dog's butt in my face. And then they were like, did you watch the episode? And I was like, of course I didn't watch the episode. I'm dying every day. And then they thought I was joking and continued the episode. And I had to be like, no, I'm serious. I only watch The Crown and cry. Why don't you understand this? And then I felt like a guilty piece of shit. And then I rewatched it yesterday. And then I was like, ah, (laughs) the editing is so bad. And then now you just have a bad episode of MacGyver stuck in your head. Live we're making you relive the, it. Probably one of the worst episodes of MacGyver stuck <laughs> in my head that makes no fucking sense. Where did this woman come from? He just shows up at a deaf school for no fucking reason. Okay, and then and and everyone wants to fuck him. Apparently, oh. I, I'm t- he. There's nothing attractive about him. The, the, whatever. We did it. Let's if you're talk just tuning about in, it. If you're just tuning in, this is our casual catch-up portion of the show. Um, casual? I feel like this should be the, the whole show. It's just, just give you an hour to do this. I'm giving you a live journal right now, okay? <laughs> this is a live journal. You thought live journal was live? This is a fucking live journal. Let's go uh, to MySpace and talk about MacGyver. Well, I'm sorry about all of it. I really, truly am. You have to I'm be sorry. sorry. It's just not, I feel like it's really also <laughs> um, bad. Yeah. What were you going to say, Annie? Oh, I was just going to say that I feel the worst that I have felt since the pandemic began. Um, (laughs) And I think it's because all of the like year time hop stuff is starting where it's like all the stuff I was excited about, like, oh, I booked that's like, hey, we're doing this, we're doing this. I like was posting Mm -hmm. and and putting out flyers and stuff or whatever. And now I'm getting that year notification and it's like, oh, that would have been This was literally the last time you were excited about anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I left out one. I, I left out one more thing oh. today. I almost didn't make this podcast because I was locked out of my house. Oh my God. So I had to break in to my own home <laughs> 10 minutes ago so I could make the podcast. <laughs> I crawled in through my own front window. Everyone watched me 
and I barely made it because the floor is just a little taller than my cooch and it fucking hurt. I'm a guy for my way into my own fucking house. To do a MacGyver podcast. Who is watching you? Yeah, who's wa- who's watching? Who's watching you? MacGyver? Uh, they're not helping. Like I, w- I would have been pissed if someone's watching me struggle. And my neighbors bring me candy occasionally. That's good. Probably because they see me have to break it. If, if my you own. would like to give your Venmo at this point for our listeners, you're welcome to. My Venmo is Jenny Dash Zagrino. Great. Give me money so I can get an extra set of keys to yeah. put under a pot of Absolutely. At a minimum. We're yeah. just going to send you that as a thank you for doing this podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, be well, a gift certificate to Ace. I, always, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I feel like we always, like comedians, we'd always enjoy seeing a comic have a mental breakdown on stage. Oh yeah. yeah, those are fun. fun. I actually yeah. really miss that. <laughs> so you guys just witnessed the on stage version, but it's, it's on a not microphone. It's not it's not when I'm staring into your eyes, it's different. It's much different when you're sitting in the back of a comedy club and you're like, yeah, it's fucking loser. When you're in the back and you're like, Joe's in a bad place right now. Like, what's going on? Is this divorce happening? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh shit. Well, you're not a fan of this episode of MacGyver. I assume you're not a fan of MacGyver at all. I'll um, never be a fan of MacGyver. <laughs> you were uh, a, a 90s kid who was into what? Ren and Stimpy and... Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. And um, you know what? Look, honestly, what I was into when I was a child was the movie Amadeus. I watched it a lot. Oh, yeah. Good one. <laughs> Great movie. How does that hold up? I'd be, I'd be curious. Still holds up. I watched it the other day. <laughs> Loved it. I yeah. can quote it. I can quote that entire film. I got to revisit that. I haven't yeah. seen that since I, I want to say like fifth grade substitute teacher, mm. like in class. Yeah. Give yeah. Before the hour movie to watch. <laughs> yeah. It's like before your music teacher played Mr. Holland's opus, they played. The- <laughs> oh yeah. But we did that one too. Mr. Yeah. Holland's opus was, was a big, that's a, that's class a classic, one. but Amadeus, it just, for me, it just hits. Yeah, I remember watching that in the Venn diagram of like me being a band nerd and being like into comedy stuff was like he was so funny and the movie was about classical music and it was just like a real really hit the sweet spot. I feel like uh, we need to get into talking about this episode. Um, But like in order to uh, refresh our listeners memories, perhaps uh, maybe Annie would read out a little quick summary of what happened in this. Yes, I would be delighted. Great. (laughs) Um, So the summary of this episode. A professional thief named Crane has been stealing component parts of a voice-activated missile that MacGyver and the Phoenix Foundation are testing. Phoenix is using the same technology to help deaf students hear. Carrie, the teacher at the deaf school, has been having upsetting dreams about MacGyver being killed. She then recognizes Crane at a missile test site as the man from her dream who kills MacGyver. Using Carrie's memories of the dream, she and MacGyver track Crane to a remote lake house. There, MacGyver thwarts Crane's plans to fence the missile and prevents the worst part of Carrie's dream from coming true, MacGyver's own death. Mm. Um, it sounds a lot more exciting than it was. It sounds I'm going to say yeah. that. Um, <laughs> well, we like to talk about the low-hanging fruit, the things that like struck us right away. Um, and Jenny, we usually ask our guest first what their first impressions were. You kind of gave us a bunch of them, but like, what, was your, what were your first thoughts when you turned this on? <laughs> The Germans. The Germans were the ones stealing it, which was like, okay, aren't we done with this already? Um, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, this like like, you were talking about the shadowy figures in the dark. 
Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the Germans um, and very bad German accents. Mm. The guy who played Crane definitely looked like evil, which was great. Yeah. Um, the she just the whole like death thing just like appeared out of nowhere. Like, was this in previous episodes? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, I just fucking showed up. He's just he's at a deaf school. Yeah. And it's like trying to help a deaf child. Um, it just very much reminded me of an episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which is my favorite 80s show. Oh, I have never even heard of that. That was You've never heard of Garth Marenghi's? Okay, it's not actually made in the 80s. It's a parody of all those okay. films made in the 80s. You can watch them all on YouTube. But it's uh, called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Amazing. Um, and have you seen? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, my God. It's so funny. What about you, Annie? What were your first kind of thoughts, impressions on this particular episode? Um, yeah. I mean, this episode was tough for me to get through. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I felt huh. like I this was one of those episodes that I physically had trouble paying attention to. And that's not typically an issue that I have <laughs> um, with television. Like, I, yeah. I love TV and movies and I love to watch it all the time. But I was having a hard time with this episode. I actually thought that, like, the deaf um angle was better than the dream angle totally enraged me because just <laughs> even the way that they described what dreams are i was yeah. like i don't agree with that like they said dreams are just what happened in your day rearranged and i'm like if that's the case then like my day was a lot more fucked up than i realized <laughs> yeah because- none of that's real none of that's a true thing that's not um yeah that's not it, it made me wonder if they if they invented that for the sake of the story or if in the 80s they believed that that was the height of sleep science they no, believed that. i mean that seemed to be so so fake to me the one thing i i did really enjoy is when she was doing the dream session um <laughs> with with the uh the gang um whoever was there yeah that uh piece of furniture she was on was the most 80s thing i I've yeah. ever seen in my life that like black leather with <laughs> partially the reclined. I was like, okay, like this at the very least, like her look was so 80s. Yes. Like I felt like that wardrobe was like ripped from my mom's closet. Um <laughs> And the hair honestly was too. So those are like low hanging fruit. I thought like the actress, the guest actress was like pretty strong for a MacGyver um, guest star, to be honest with you. But like the, the tribunal dark shadowy figure thing to me, like added nothing. And it made like, it did not physically make sense to me that the same technology to use to launch a missile would be, also used for this hearing yeah um but yeah those are my my like big things yeah i agree totally um and i i I agree that she was strong as like a female lead in this show as this show goes i actually thought like you know we can't we're coming off a couple episodes where he has terrible chemistry with the female lead in the episode and this one i felt like i kind of believed it i was like oh they have like a nice vibe together um the the thing the sort of low-hanging fruit for me (laughs) <laughs> this is a small component, but it was a big enough component to like kind of shake me was uh, the Moorish warrior situation. <laughs> oh, that was oh. really weird. Um, it was just it was just like, you know, him doing like he's he's like on a horse, like riding toward them, like doing some real racist kind of screaming in this like weird old garb. But the thing that really bothered me about it was that like we've established that everybody in her dream like is kind of like 
uh, like an analog for real life, right? So like every person she saw in her dream ended up being like a villain in real life, except for this guy who was trying to kill her in her dream, this black guy. <laughs> and then in real life, he ended up being a helpful person. <laughs> yeah, like, that was you know? really, really weird. Also, no one has said Moorish warrior no. since <laughs> fucking Charles Dickens. There is no way <laughs> she would have described that guy like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. well, I would say he didn't try to kill her in the dream. He just was like chasing something. Something that and was she was in the way. Them. She was in the way. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll give you that, I guess. But even in the present day, his little cap and very strange blousy shirt and like this like He's like, a farmer. Who He's is a this farm guy? guy? Anyway, he looked very erudite for a farmer. He was uh, just being a warrior near them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of many things that did not make sense. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. And the shadowy tribunal thing I thought was great. I, I liked the villain in this one. I, the, You know, there are actually quite a few things I liked about this episode. I think it's because we're coming off of the previous episode, Eagles, which was my least favorite of all time. So this was like, at least it moved along. And I really expected the deaf stuff to be like really insensitively handled. So it was kind of fun to see that they actually gave a shit about that part. Um, I mean, it kind of was in a way because they're like... Like, we're going to help times. deaf people here. Absolutely. And then they yes. start off yes. with rain. That's the first thing you're going <laughs> to show a deaf person is a soft yeah. rain <laughs> birds. That they've no- Just be like, this is like a snap. Like, that's. Yeah. Or start like with, a fucking Nirvana song. I was going like, to say, start with James Brown. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> like, why are we starting with rain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, it yeah. Was, that was super weird. He's like, the, the, what you're going to hear is the soft rain. Oh, so funny. summer night. Um, I did think uh, the whole situation with MacGyver in that, like, <laughs> do you remember the first scene in the latest Indiana Jones movie where he's in the nuclear town with all the mannequins and shit? That's what it reminded me of. He's in this, like, elaborate town that's like all mannequins and everything he's about to shoot a missile i did not understand that at all like first we have mac who's like this pacifist who doesn't use guns but is developing a missile and can talk to the missile and basically just look up into the sky and know what angle it's coming in at and talk it down he he, no he just knows he just knows in his heart um so (laughs) i love pete thornton is such a piece of shit uh Pete Thornton in this episode was introduced to Indian food for the first time in his sad, pathetic life by MacGyver. Oh, uh, was that the the the, the bald the boss older guy. bald guy? Yeah. I liked him. I thought he <laughs> was the most I don't know regular fucking regular actor guy. in there. Everyone else is like so fucking like the the army guy that's holding his hat the same way the whole fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, one, I, I, the low point of Pete for me in this episode was when they're like doing the hearing exercise with the the deaf students and he's like imagine hearing yeah. for the first time I never would have thought about it and it's like cool you can't relate to anyone else's experience that's not yeah. yours yeah, yeah. I mean they they really have a conscience with this show they really want you to know like we're we're really we really care about these deaf kids um I also yeah I mean there's a moment when when MacGyver figures out the whole plan, explains it all to Pete, and then Pete's line is, I still don't get it. I'm like, you are so <laughs> yeah, I remember that. so dense. Um, Just think about like 80s television. Is there anything that stands out hmm. to you as like, like I feel like the 90s had some very standout, like amazing stuff like The Sopranos. You was know, you had 90s? the 2000s, you had the yeah. Game of Thrones. Even like the 70s, you had like, uh, you know, All in the Family, like these shows that were like, Mm -hmm. 
Well, cheers for Christ's sake. Yeah. Cheers. But no, but I'm sorry, but I, I don't know. Nothing I feel like came out of the 80s that was that love. That's that level. Yeah. Well, one thing that we've talked hmm. about before is that like the perception in the 80s of TV is that it's like so disposable and it's just like, whatever, let's just do the episode and move on. And we're doing a million episodes and they're not, it's not the craft that you think of television now. Like, yeah. you know, the like the standards yeah. we have now are like, like basically for what used to be a film standard, it's like, that's the standard for TV and film now. Um, but the eighties, that was not the case. Yeah. The funny thing is though, that like all in the family is a great example because there, there was this period of time before this, that like Mary Tyler Moore show was on. It was a killer lineup of like yeah, Mary Tyler Moore and 70s. I forget the other ones, but the, it was a whole lineup of incredible shows that were like the consistency was there. The writing was there. Um, and then for whatever reason, yeah, the eighties kind of flattened out. Um, I'm trying to think now I'm racking my brain trying to think of like the, the eighties show. Well, wait, what about MASH? When was MASH? Oh, yeah. MASH was... People love that, that show. That probably bled into the 80s. Yeah. I just feel like there's always a cultural shift. Like, so the 70s was a big cultural shift. I think now we're going through a big cultural shift hmm. as far as, like, socially. So we get all these really interesting takes and shows. And then people will just do a bunch of cocaine for 10 years. Right. And we'll get more <laughs> MacGyvers. Yeah, That's what's going to yeah. happen. And Knight Riders <laughs> and A-Teams. Yeah. I mean, it's in progress right now. I feel like they're rebooting half those shows. They're rebooting MacGyver. Yeah. I think they're rebooting Hawaii Five-0 as they well. Did. They did that. They did Magnum. They did all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's. I feel like it's already in process where people are going to like swing back to like just dumb shit, um, which I don't really have a problem with, honestly. <laughs> like, it's, I'm, I'm okay with my list. Oh, it's escapism, okay. man. Um, uh, MacGyver's apartment is once again unbelievable. <laughs> it's just incredible, uh, the number of things he has on those shelves. Um, the, uh, yeah, I like the sleep study scene too, where you put like two little pads on someone's forehead yeah. and that's supposed to be a study. Uh, the lady you scientist. See the responsive state that they're in. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you basically fill them full of Valium or whatever. The the lady scientist in that scene, I looked up because I, I was so, she was, I was so offended by her acting. I was like, she is so bad. Uh, and I was like, oh, this makes sense. Her, her IMDb credits, she had like four shows between 81 and 86 and never acted again. At least she did them. Yes. Um, right. Uh, I have I have a fun little weird little trivia thing. They always like to pit MacGyver against some like establishment military guys to, to establish mm -hmm. that MacGyver does things differently and this guy's by the yeah. book and he doesn't like which is funny because it's such a pro-american show yeah. but the general guy what his character has a name and the name is abel Makepeace. <laughs> that's Stop the it. character's name like general abel, abel Makepeace. Makepeace. i don't even know if they said it it's just in the credits so i i googled that name because i'm like this name has got to come from somewhere and Abel Makepeace was born in 1832 and was known as the Cranberry King of Massachusetts. <laughs> so he was a cranberry baron in the 1900s that they named this character after. Do not ask me why. And why was this episode not about that? That's a story I want to know about. I just was like, I'm glad I went down this rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, why not have another cranberry baron on there? Cran cranberry. Um, cranberry. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the bad guy was genuinely pretty scary in kind of an abusive dad way. <laughs> like, 
Crane is also just a good, simple villain name. Like yeah. I like the simplicity of just Crane like that. That worked. Yeah. Um, we've had some real clunkers in the past. Yeah. Axminster <laughs> comes to mind. Um, there's like certain uh, villains that they've tried to make yeah. happen that just haven't worked. But Crane is like, all right, this guy's creepy. He's. I liked, I, I really liked the, uh, say what you will about the shadowy tribunal scene, which by the way, I, that's just the cheapest fucking scene you can make. That's like, okay, we put it on the soundstage. We light it super dark. It's like, it costs nothing. And the set department is like, sweet. Um, but oh, yeah. And then the chair exploding, come on. The chair exploding is, is so dumb. But then he has that great line where they say, how do we know we can trust you? And he said, same way, you know, there are no surprises under your chairs. Uh, you can't like good writing. It's like that is actually pretty clever and fun. Um, so yeah, and I I liked his whole concept. I actually liked the idea of like a guy traveling around like sneakily, heistily stealing component parts to a missile. I thought Over that was kind of fun. Over six months it took them. Yeah, six no, months the of work. At that point, give them the missile. They yeah. really. Want <laughs> I know. It, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about how MacGyver was under the water for at least a minute. <laughs> Oh, we never saw him go under there, did we? We just saw his little... Never saw him go under, but he's shooting up water. Mm-hmm. How is he shooting up the water? Oh, probably a reed or something. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like in the water and then like has the has the power like... Like even like when you're in water and you're trying to like push something, you can't because no, you immediately that... like go down. Right. But he has like enough power while he's in the water, like to do shit. Yeah. Yeah. That was the most, I believe he was uh, breathing through a reed and then he used that reed to spurt the thing in his face, but punching from below the water into someone's face. (laughs) That's not ever happening. Yeah. He's not a duck. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then the thing with, he starts talking about the Egyptian water bag shit. I was like, I'm lost. I don't even know what he's doing anymore. He loved that that. whole bag and the fishing lines. Like that's when I just completely dissociated (laughs) from my body and was unable to keep watching. Like I, that was the hardest part for me to get attention and figure out what was happening. I don't know why. Maybe my brain is just atrophying, but But like he said the word water clock like 50 times in a row. That didn't help. But what is it using a water clock for? Some kind of fucking timer. I don't even understand. Honestly, same thing, Annie. I checked out. I don't even know how he didn't die. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what happened after the water clock. I know. I don't know where. Where the old car? What happened to the old car? Did an old car show up? I don't know. The but my favorite scene in the entire episode was at the very end. It was the slow dance scene. Yeah. Um. That turned out. I have to admit that got me. That absolutely got dream- me. Daydreaming of it. Did that get either one of you? Did you? What did you fall for the fact that she like they were they they got together at the end when they showed that scene or they did, did you know get it was together at the end? It was a dream. Yeah, but did you know it was a dream or did you fall for it? Because I felt it's totally a fucking dream. Come on, MacGyver <laughs> belongs to no one. <laughs> yeah, it's I I did fall for it the first time I saw it because yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, it kind of made sense. They had like gotten close, yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, maybe they're having like romantic, but it did seem like over the top and um. I don't know. It's a little bit lame that what the male writers of this show think every woman's fantasy is <laughs> like slow dancing in front of a record player or yeah, whatever candles. they were doing. Yeah. But um, outside of that, like at least these two like had some chemistry. So I feel like right. it kind of worked. It, it was definitely the best scene in this episode. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. And then, and then he like wakes her up and she says, I'm just daydreaming or whatever. This is cute. It was cute. Does he ever kiss anybody? Yeah. He kisses yeah. like occasionally he'll actually, you know, hook, hook up, up with uh, a lady in the episode. But I think they figured out pretty early on. They can't do that every single episode because they're going to make him look like a creep. Um, so it's it's selective, but mm-hmm. it does happen. Sometimes it's a an old flame and that kind of helps sell the idea that he's not like playing the field all the time, you know. Oh, I get it. But this is one that for whatever reason they decided it couldn't happen in real life. Yeah, not only couldn't it happen, it could only happen in a dream and even then they got like a centimeter from kissing and then she woke up. I was like, "Oh, interesting. They didn't even do the kiss." I like, know that's so sad. In the dream, you know? This lady can't even make out in her dream. Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> that's what I feel like. I used to have dreams when I was young of like kissing someone and then them stopping and being like, you're so bad at this. <laughs> oh my God. I would have those dreams all the time. Oh yeah. You can't even escape it in your dreams. Yeah. Stuff like that happens in my dreams all the time where someone's yeah. just like rejecting me for something. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Absolutely. Great. great, 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 great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, Oh, I guess you're right. I am. I'm a horrible human. Are you all having a lot more incredibly crazy dreams? Like during the pandemic, like in the last se- uh, several weeks, I feel like because it's kind of getting like, it's 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 now a year like since I've had any new experiences, my brain is like, we got to make some shit up, man, because it is boring every day. <laughs> I'm having the craziest dreams. No, I'm not nothing like nothing special for yeah. sure. But like everything just feels much more like rushed. Everything. I guess my dreams feel more urgent. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I was having a lot of high stakes COVID dreams <laughs> toward the beginning, you know, where you're like in a giant crowd and you're like, I'm having a great time. And then you suddenly realize in the dream, <laughs> no one's wearing masks. I have to get out of here. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The dream stuff. Actually, I thought the dream stuff was kind of fun, except for the dumbass like cartoon lightning. Um, I thought the dream yeah, stuff like bad. felt kind of dreamlike. It was kind of disorienting and it kind of had a whole bunch of weird imagery in it. Um, the, uh, it what did that actress do? after this not much um she was she's a, really deaf though right yeah um and she was like a deaf beauty queen she like won a bunch of deaf beauty pageants mm-hmm. which i didn't know existed and then uh i looked her up she was born in vermont actually strangely enough mm-hmm. and uh she and then she went on to like have a career in like i think she worked for sprint in their like heart of hearing department essentially like became a corporate person for the rest of her professional life i mean i would probably give up <laughs> <laughs> so close. Got to be a tough. I'm, I'm game. like, yeah, I get it. I could work for Sprint right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, like, how many roles are there for like beautiful deaf people, like in 1990? You know, like not a lot. You're- yeah. Well, and that's what's so interesting is I feel like there were like certain eras where I feel like there were a couple of high profile deaf actors that sure. like people knew, and right now, like, I don't really have that vocabulary to know like who. Um, who's hot, who's up and coming in the dev world. Even just the idea of like, when you're talking about like, uh, like disabilities, like life goes on. Do you you guys watch that when you were growing up? Mm -mm. I didn't watch that. Really? Oh, I mean, it's got like a major role for a person with Down syndrome in it. And like, you know, it it felt like there were roles like that where like 
major like cultural things. Yeah, that's the thing about this show is like you can tell that they really were trying with yeah. representation. Like they're like a lot of different folks are represented on this show, but often the tone yeah. is the thing that's like yeah, a just... little bit off. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, in some cases, a lot off um, yeah, with yeah. certain cultures, but um, you got like they are trying to. Yeah to get it still has that holly that 80s hollywood tv show kind of thing like i was looking at the group of kids and i was like oh sure like of this central casting group of deaf kids and they were deaf they brought the (laughs) cute little blonde white girl to the front and gave her the lines and then i was looking at the group and i was like are there any there's one black kid and he's like literally pushed to the back of the group like barely visible (laughs) i was like this is you know uh just put the cute little white girl in the front she'll be the most sympathetic Um. (laughs) Everyone will feel bad that she's deaf Exactly, yeah, exactly My name is Dina Senesak I am a sign language interpreter And I have focused the last Oh, 25 years or so Working in um, Either residential deaf schools Or in Um, magnet deaf schools or in mainstream settings with deaf students. Amazing. Great. Um, And uh, we were talking before kind of off mic uh, about this, but we we are getting your opinion as a hearing sign language interpreter, not as a deaf person or hard of hearing person yourself. Right. And so we won't ask you to uh, project what deaf people might might think of this episode, but we were just curious to get your input uh, as a person who's in this world a little more than we are on the representation of, uh, you know, the hearing impaired and deaf community uh, in 1986 in, a, in an action television show <laughs> like what was your what were your thoughts on it there's so many thoughts on it um there's like um so yeah and i can and i can address some of the stuff like i don't want to speak for deaf people but i can tell you what some deaf people feel and like the yeah. philosophies that have gone through the spectrum of things sure. um this is also very weird that it's an audio and it's about deaf people. And here I am using my hands to talk because that's what I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, um, one of the interesting things about this episode um, is that it's about deaf people, um, but it's not like they didn't close caption some of the sign. So like either you were deaf and you got like a fuller picture on things or you were hearing and you didn't know what they were signing sometimes or like, I felt like as a hearing person who signed, I got more of the story than anybody else yeah, because right. there were parts that they just like decided not to close caption or let you know what was being said. And I, um, so like, there's this thing in the deaf world called a deaf Benny. And that's a benefit of being deaf. Like you sleep through the night, you don't hear the car alarm. You know, <laughs> like, there's like lots of things that they talk about with a deaf Benny. And I'm like, oh, there was a lot of hearing uh, sign bennies like a hear- yeah. <laughs> an average hearing person wouldn't get these things but a signing hearing person got some of the the, the inside jokes on that yeah they'll sometimes do that with like so a character will just speak spanish but they won't bother to subtitle it and if you happen to speak spanish so you get what they said or you get right. it from context the, or whatever yeah exactly yeah. so i felt like kind of privileged from the uh, <laughs> uh like hearing signing privilege on this one a lot and um and that that has definitely happened in my life before um, so just jumping into the whole scene where they're at the school. First of all, I looked up that school cause I was curious. It 
doesn't seem to exist. It, <laughs> it, has, ne- me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has never existed. But yeah. the name that they picked, the last name that they picked, um, is of a guy, Olaf Hansen, who was a deaf architect and was one of the first deaf architects in, hmm. in the United States. And so I think that they chose that name very specifically, even wow. though the school does not exist. And after I heard his name, I was like, oh, yeah, his wife was a huge deal in deaf education and stuff. So there, and there's buildings named after him at Gallaudet University, which is like that the is deaf- so much more like. Uh, due diligence than this show generally pays to anything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this show is is sort of famous for like kind of half-assing a lot of stuff. So the fact that they're even putting thought into what the name of the school is and paying homage to some, you know, uh, some person that matters in the deaf community is hilarious to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's kind of great. And there mm-hmm. were some things in the in, in it that were, um, I thought, very sensitive to the deaf population, but also some that were very insensitive. So, mm-hmm. um so the school doesn't really exist, um, and it was interesting to me, like whether it would have been a day school or if it was a residential school, because that's a huge difference in deaf culture. Mm-hmm. Residential schools were like where deaf people went to sleep over, and their family kind of became the people that they live in a dorm with. Mm-hmm. And there's a TV show on right now that talks. It's called Deaf You, I believe. And it talks about deaf elite and deaf elite is like when you can say, I went to this school and my parents are deaf and my grandparents are deaf. And Mm -hmm. it's very similar to Harry Potter. Like I don't have (laughs) muggle parents. I have, you know, you know, I am so excited. You brought this up because I just watched Harry Potter for the first time in my life. Oh my God. I've never seen it. And you don't know how much it means to me to finally get a reference um, <laughs> that someone's making on well, Harry Potter. So there are there are entire workshops led by deaf individuals, deaf professors on how much Harry Potter is like a deaf, you know, a, like oh, a deaf interesting. Interesting. so like it's not a novel idea for me, you know, yeah, like know. it's like I've actually seen workshops on this and stuff, but one of the things that I did like was when they were explaining the electronic trans uh, translating device that they they did clearly state that it doesn't make you hearing. It gives you a sense of hearing. Uh, like the, the electronic impulses give you a sense of hearing. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to note because that machine, even though it went through these like headphones and stuff, is basically what a cochlear implant is. Hmm. And so they were kind of using this different device to kind of explain what a cochlear implant was. But so many people think it makes you hearing. They don't get that it actually just sends like electronic like impulses right. into you. And that How old is make- that in, in that invention, a cochlear implant? How- I actually looked that up because <laughs> I did my due diligence. Um, it actually kind of started actually in the early 1900s. Oh, wow. And so, oh. yeah, so it's been around for a long time, but it gains popularity and goes down and, and everything. And it's at its height of popularity right now. Um, okay. There is almost no kids unless they have deaf parents that don't get cochlear implants as babies these days. And, and to your knowledge, does this technology uh, help uh, guide missile systems? <laughs> Not to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, that I cannot... I guess we'll have to get a missile expert on for so that do we do we have any sense, though, of like this technology as this show portrayed it, which is kind of a, a 
a soundboard setup that you actually put on headphones and sit and use in one sitting. Like, is that a thing? Has it ever been a thing? Well, so when it, it, the pulses that they're giving, like it doesn't make sense to me in that capacity because you have to, it has to hit your copular for it to give you that sense, which if right. you have never seen anybody with a cochlear, but it's a major surgery. They cut you here, they drill pr- like these implants into your ear and then it touches your cochlear. Um, so I can't imagine it would work, but I'm not an expert. With like in Walkman headphones, you don't think yeah, about it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you have to be pretty far in there, not just like a, a quick little headphone on the outside of your ear and... Yeah. That make that makes sense to me because it feels strange that it would just be a headphone technology. Yeah, um, <laughs> like it. Yeah. What it looked like to me was like one of those hearing tests you take in elementary school, yes. and that seems yeah. like that was more along the lines of of what they were. And it looks like the beep. Yes, yes. Yeah, right, right. beep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what was interesting is that the the kid that they did it to, you know, was supposed to be prelingually deaf, like deaf since birth, all this stuff. But at the end of the um, the show, they have her talk, and right. she talks like a hard of hearing kid. I'm like, mm. yeah. So maybe the casting was off given what her level of um, hearing was meant to be in the show. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, what was funny, though, about that whole scene, like they, they did say, you know, the the sense of, of um, hearing, which I thought was really good and stuff. But when he signs electronic and he signs it like this and the... Uh, uh, he puts it's the one fingers. where he puts he like links his fingers together. Yes. Yeah. And she says, "Oh, you just have an. They just think you have a, a hearing accent, which is a very real thing. Like mm-hmm. I sign like a hearing person. Mm-hmm. I don't sign like a deaf person. I wish I did. Um, the only hearing people I know that sign like deaf people are people who were raised with deaf uh, parents, and that was their first language. Um, so it isn't he does have a hearing accent but he also did a very very similar sign to basically um scissoring sex you know like it was (laughs) and and so so like it was very much they were mocking because he was making he was very closely you know and that happens all the time where uh hearing people who are learning to sign sign something that would be like you know, good morning, but they're really saying fuck you or. Right. Yeah. Well, that's like any, <laughs> any language learner is going to sort of uh, make a mistake that um, yeah. could be potentially be embarrassing. Yeah, but yes. I would imagine that there's uh, like, there's so much subtlety in the, in signing. I would imagine it's pretty easy to sort of slip up and sign something else if you don't know the language, as mm-hmm. opposed to like, you know, you gotta, to say a whole different Spanish word for something, you know, yeah, I think like it, it, there's definitely potential for doing that. Like one of my friends who's a twin, um, she says that deaf people go up to her twin all the time and say, start signing to her. Oh, and oh. and um, she tries to sign twin to them, but she signs virgin. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so like she, my friend who's the sign language interpreter goes, Yes, finally somebody deaf came up to me and said, Will you stop telling your sister to tell that, you know, telling everybody that she's a virgin? I mean, to be oh. fair, I do also greet people that way. Yeah. And that's more of a preference. Oh, you know? oh, you've got me confused with someone else. I'm the virgin. I'm a yes. virgin. Yes. 
Pardon That's the virgin. Um, well, I, that was one of my questions. I was wondering, like, how what your ra- how you would rate Richard Dean Anderson's sign language in this episode? Like, was it Actually, passable? Not or, bad. Yeah. Not, you know, I like. I'm sure you know that at this around this time, he was like linked to dating Marley Matlin, which. I'm like the internet is wondering if like this part may have even been written for her and then she didn't huh. end up playing it. Um, it but would it, not yeah, surprise it was me. One, I'm wondering, and you mentioned a connection with Henry Winkler, uh, the producer, to the deaf community. So this might be an issue that this show actually gave a shit about, huh? Yeah, it was really interesting because Henry Winkler, back in the day of, of Happy Days, he dated a character on Happy Days who was played by Linda Bove, and she is a deaf character. Anyway, I think I'm pretty. I might be speaking in terms, but I think it was the first inter-hearing deaf couple on TV. And um, she does basically leave him because he's hearing and she wants someone who's... uh, who understands her and mm. and she goes back to her deaf boyfriend. Um, but Linda Bove was like, is like the actress that everybody knew. Like that that's the first deaf actress everybody has ever seen. Cause she was on Sesame street for years. She was mm. Linda on Sesame street mm-hmm. and you know, she played on happy days for these few episodes. And so I, I wondered about the Henry Winkler uh, sure. connection, but now not even thinking about the fact that, about Richard Dean Anderson dating Marley Matlin, that makes even more sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Who's, who are the famous deaf actors of like our generation? That's, I feel like um, that's yeah. a question. Um, so Terry Lean is a, a, a pretty well-known, she was in Natural Born Killers. There's a guy that I follow. Uh, I follow him on Instagram and Facebook. It's, his name is Durant, but he is in Fargo right now. Um, oh yes, yes, he's fantastic. He's he is, so good, and he played a deaf uh, boxer in a, a TV show. He uh, in a movie called The Hammer. Um, he also just did. To, he w- kind of made the news big. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird, he just played uh, a character in that, and they just didn't even explain that he was deaf. He just played the character as a deaf person. Nice. So he's pretty big. Um, Marley Matlin, obviously. I mean, she won an Oscar. She's is in everything. Um, there's a lot of uh, National Theater of the Deaf does uh, uh, tours and does shows that are both a mix of hearing and deaf people together. Yeah, I think if anything, this episode makes me want to check out other representations um, <laughs> of of deaf folks in media that might be a little bit better than this. I would suggest episode. I just watched The Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime and okay, it was amazing. Cool. It was really amazing. Um, I was really impressed with that. Um, it does a really good... Um, does a really good job of being deaf representation, but not only that, they take they take away kind of all the oddism. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that word, but it's basically this MacGyver episode was filled with oddism, which is deaf people are great, but they're better when they are hearing and they can right. talk and they mm-hmm. can, you know, you know, like yep. and in the sound of metal, like there was a very pro deaf aspect mm-hmm. to the movie and all the actors at the deaf school and the, and the thing were, were actually deaf. Yeah. Yeah. That was the sort of my takeaway from this show too. And it really like shows you, I think also what, what the hearing world thought of the deaf community in 1986, like anything else at that time, it was like, well, these people 
want these people need to be like helped and saved and you know what I mean? And like it had hearing, a real like be more let hearing. us make yeah. them hearing people and you know they were they were really sowing sympathy all over the place for these poor kids who can't hear as opposed to like understanding that it's a, a community of people, not just sad <laughs> issues, you know? Yeah, and, and there are people who are deaf, a strong population of what they call capital D deaf people, which means culturally deaf, involved in the deaf community, really put their identity as a deaf person first, who believe that cochlear implants and therefore this language translator thing that MacGyver made mm. is cultural genocide. And mm. they have very clearly said that. And um, they would not like the way the show <laughs> went in that way. Sure. But Richard Dean Anderson does sign in that and he uses it as a benefit at the end where he talks to her through the window. I love that moment, and, yeah. And tells her, you know, keep them talking, keep them busy while I go get the, the boats. And I don't know oh, if so you Oh, so that's guys, what he was saying. Okay. Yeah. He tells, he tells her to... News to like, us, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He signs prolong or draw out. Okay. He's like, keep them, you know, he signs, keep them going. He's like... I, 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 I caught that he was asking how many people there were because she signed, yeah. like, she said, there's two people in here with me, but I didn't know what else. He, that's a really funny. It was interesting because I typically watch everything um, with closed captions anyway. So mm -hmm. I was sort of expecting some of the signing to actually be closed captioned. And it was not. It was yeah. just I had to figure it out based on context clues. Um, yeah. And this is a show that really uh, explains everything to you. So it's surprising yeah, that they didn't it was strange. explain that. Well, you know, in movies, sometimes they don't close caption the songs because they think deaf people don't need to know what the songs say. Right. And like, I've seen that in like shows where like this the lyrics have a lot to do with like the plot of the thing. And all of a sudden yeah, you're right, like, right. what's It'd be nice to on? know the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the, just speaking of close, close captioning here, um, I, I found a, in a little bit of an interview with the woman who plays Carrie in this episode. And she, she said that the, um, that MacGyver was one of the first shows to, or, or one of the early shows to have closed captioning at all um, for deaf people. So, uh, so it was one of the shows that the deaf and hard of hearing community watched in the or in the eighties because there were other shows that just didn't bother. You know. Yeah. This show obviously cares about it, which is like when I saw, oh, there's an episode about deaf kids. I'm about to watch this episode. I thought for sure this is going to be atrocious. Um, and in some ways it is, but like I was sort of pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, but I would say that like compared to other episodes that we've seen, like there are times when MacGyver goes into communities and he's like pretty incurious about them and yeah, is right, just sort right. of like doing his own thing around a community of other people existing this episode i felt like he was actually curious about what was happening and was sort of making an effort to be like you know what i am going to you know take an interest in what's happening and how i can actually try to sign and um that i thought was like not perfect but like better than a lot of other episodes that we've seen yeah. i mean in my in my hearing opinion i'm sure like someone someone else would say, but like he sighs relatively good. Mm. He, you know, they clue him into when he's not looking at her, which I thought was good. Um, right. It did bug me that she did all the interpreting for the kid and she's supposed to be hard of hearing. I'm like, where's the professional yeah. interpreter there? <laughs> like, <laughs> She also know? seemed like really good at lip reading, like excellent. <laughs> like in yeah. every situation, there was not a huh or a what or repeat that please. Yeah. It was all very perfect. 
Yeah, um, she knew the script ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, hold it steady for me, will you? I loved uh, the the drawing the lake and cross referencing it with maps thing was so funny. Like the technology that was, was so wild. Funny. Um, like, how did she know what the fucking lake looked like? Also, no way. this was the one point where I was like, because their relationship was kind of cute and sexy the whole time, and then I was like. Just give her the fucking pen and let her draw the lake. Like she can draw the yeah. shape that she remembers, but you're doing it like a sketch artist. You're sitting right next to her trying to interpret what she's telling you. Just give her the fucking pen, man. Like, it's like <laughs> MacGyver's got to do everything. <laughs> He's a man. I get it. He, yeah, he is. And he especially like has to walk into a situation and feign like ex like some kind of expertise, regardless of how <laughs> little he knows about the situation. Yeah, always. Like I sort of felt like when he walked into the deaf school, it was like he was walking in mid conversation and we're yeah. all supposed to get on the same page. As right. to yeah, why he's been hanging he's out with these deaf kids here. this entire yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> missiles, deaf kids, technology, you know, you get it. Um, I did think, uh, MacGyver's look like they're really dialing it in now. And it's really pretty sexy. Like he's got these sort of like blousy 90s shirts with this like cool, fun print and he's real tan and he's got like the blonde highlights. Did you say he's sexy? I don't know. I mean, as no, <laughs> it's funny. Cause I think it's split in terms of our guests. Like our guests sometimes are very attracted to him and other times they're like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get the appeal. I don't get the appeal at all. I feel like um, he is what men think women want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back in the 80s, obviously not now, but they're like, yeah, don't yeah. you want like, uh, you know, like a, a guy that's uh, always going to take care of you, fixes everything, oh, and yeah. knows how to do oh, this yeah. and that. And you're like, yeah, I mean, sure. But also, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I think what they're trying for is, hey, he can provide for you and take care of you and rescue you and be a hero. But he's also like sensitive, sensitive. And like, you know, like he's like he like sits her down and asks her questions and shit, you know, like that's something that like the A team or like Rambo doesn't do. You know, I think they're yeah. trying to have their cake and eat it, too. You know, they want him to be hunky. <laughs> And uh, and save the day, but also be kind of sensitive, and you know. I mean, he's a known anti-gun vegetarian, which I yeah, do right. like. Like I that that fits the profile of <laughs> someone I would be interested in on <laughs> a, a normal basis. Someone you but, would want to slow dance with at can uh, under candlelight. Sure, um, but the hair is the deal breaker for me personally. Like that, that hairstyle doesn't work. And maybe if I could picture myself in the '80s, I might be able to kind of get past yeah. that. Um, but I, I don't know. It's... Oh, you would, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Nathan's like convinced. Um, oh, oh, you're convinced you that I would, I would throw myself at MacGyver. I, 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 I'm just wondering, like. 30 years from now, we're going to look back at all these like high and tight haircuts that are like, or the man bun with the fucking shaved sides or whatever. We're going to be like, that is I fucking... mean, I, I definitely made a lot of mistakes with men with man buns. There you go. Definitely. Yeah. How about mullets? How about blonde mullets? Not yet, but you don't know what 2021 <laughs> has to offer. That's true. You know? It's a cycle. Fashion's a cycle. Fashion yeah, you is never a know. <laughs> it's also too, if you look at fashion, like fashion always goes by kind of like culture. So like mm. when a when a culture is at war or society's at war, you see like camo become popular mm. 
or more like macho esque styles when like they're more at peace it's like a different vibe Hmm. um i feel like now like with uh quarantine um we're going to be getting more into like um partners or fashion that is very entertaining and uplifting like we're not going to want to wear like a lot of black Hmm. we're not going to want to um do anything that's like very futuristic nihilistic anymore because sure, i think yeah. we've we've lived it and so we're fashion is going to be bright colors it's going to be yeah. interesting it's going to be weird and mm. uh, that and i think that's 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 why like there's in the in the like um interior design world there's a huge like 80s influence of like that mm. 80s um luxury that is coming back mm-hmm you know, of like bright colors, really curvy. It's art deco, which is the 1920s, which came, you know, it was like also this huge, like uh, that happened right after uh, the the influenza. Yeah, Yeah, was the roaring 20s. So I think we're coming into a new golden age of um, basically the new like 1920s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, we got to take a break. Uh, When we return, we're going to find out more about what uh, Jenny's up to these days. And we'll rank our episode on our super scientific DTMP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. Enjoying this podcast? There's lots more you're missing out on. For just a few bucks, you can become a supporter of the Duct Tape and Paperclips Patreon. You'll get access to a special podcast feed with secret bonus content where Annie and Nathan break down related stuff like the MacGyver Simpsons episode, Richard Dean Anderson's TV movie work, and lots more. At a higher level, you can even join Annie and Nathan in the Zoom when they record their episodes live and meet the comedian guests. And of course, supporters get access to cool merch like stickers, pins, even a custom engraved Swiss Army knife. Sweet! So what are you waiting for? Head over to patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod and join up today. That's patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod. Thanks for your support. Uh, We're back with our guest. Jenny, before we get to our final segment, uh, you have indicated that you have nothing to plug. Uh, Man, I don't... every podcast is just like, <laughs> so, what you got going on? And I'm just like, yeah, what yeah. do you have going on? Like, uh, am I, I looking something? at it? You're looking at it. Maria Bamford just posted a stand-up clip today that has to do with this exact thing where people are like, what are you doing? What's next? What's next? What's next? And she's like, oh, yeah. nothing. Like, I'm, I'm done. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I love her. I love her so much. I love her so much. Do you know that was the last big act that we had finally booked it took us five years of being open to finally book maria bamford and she was two <laughs> weeks away and we had to shut the fucking club down that was a no! big, Ugh, big what a nightmare I, I should say this is there anything you want to promote is there is there a website if people want to go on and buy clothes um, or furniture or i'm at jenny zagrino on everything okay. um my furniture and clothing is at uh dollface underscore vintage nice so you can check that out it's great. Stuff. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying, just trying to survive. We're You're just doing, doing it. it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to our final segment now. It's called It's Classified. That is correct. We are trying to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we're going to rate this episode. 
It's okay. a, a quick fire sort of thing. Uh, we're going to rate it on a couple of different categories. You're our guest, so you go first. The first category is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how exciting did you find this episode? <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a, a 2. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Great. I mean, that's self-explanatory. You were not excited by it. <laughs> Uh, it did nothing for me. You were like, I could have pretended I watched this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a feeling it's going to be similar from Annie. What do you think, Annie? Yeah, it's going to be a three. Um, right. It's, yeah, not uh, some things I found interesting. None of them were exciting. Okay. I'm, see, the, uh, this is, this is. <laughs> this is where you find out that I actually like this episode. <laughs> like comparatively speaking, I was like kind of, uh, yeah, I, the previous episode Eagles, I felt the same way as you, Annie. I could not get through it. It took me three times to even get through it. Cause it was so fucking boring. And this, it was like, I, I really loved the, uh, the dumb action sequence in the middle where he's like leaping for no reason in front of people. And like oh, the truck oh smashes God, through the, <laughs> yeah, like, a lot of leaps. What? How <laughs> Springboard was he on? I, that I was like, I remember watching and being like, what yeah, the fuck. And he like that guy gets wasted right, like right in front of him, and the and the bullets miss him completely. Um, uh, yeah, like that was a pretty exciting sequence to me. Um, I liked the little heist sequences for the bad guy. I thought the bad guy was good. Like there were things that kept me interested in the episode the whole way through, as opposed to some of the other ones that are very boring. Uh, so I'm scoring this one a little higher. Uh, all right, I'll give it a five and a half. <laughs> um, all right. How well crafted was this episode, Jenny, on a scale of one to 10? Like editing, writing, directing, acting. Oh, man. There were some things where I was just like, what? Uh, again, <laughs> let's, let's do like two, three. I'll say a three. Okay, three. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the acting is never great. The writing is was not great. What do you think, Annie? I'm going to give it a four only because I thought that the actress, um, mm -hmm. the guest actress was very, was better than, than what we typically yeah. see, um, especially for the female roles. So mm -hmm. I feel like, um, yes, the writing, like they did not give her a lot to work with, um, but I thought that she was pretty um, skilled. So yeah. for that reason, and I want to make it clear, that reason alone, um, <laughs> you're giving it a four. Okay. I have similar feelings about her and about, uh, I think the storyline was actually, even though it was confusing, this whole missile deaf school connection was confusing. Uh, mm -hmm. I liked the I liked the missile heisty stuff and I liked Crane and I liked the the... Carrie character. So I don't know. Uh, see, my my good is different than your good. So I'm going to give it a six. <laughs> um, how innovative was this? This is on a scale of one to five. This is MacGyverisms. This is all the shit you guys hated in the boat. The stuff he makes out of bags of plastic and sticks. Um, I'm going to give uh, innovation three. three. Three? Okay. You liked, you thought it was innovative. Wait, why is innovation different? Oh, because these last two categories count less than how well crafted or exciting this episode was. I think, I think... I, I disagree with that. Well, but. you can go back to season one because that's how it used to be in season one. <laughs> we, we tweaked a few things. Uh, um, none of it ever comes out right anyway because it's all over the map. And <laughs> Annie and I end up disagreeing with ourselves by the end of the season. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I reserve the right to change my mind mid-episode about a rating. I'm Absolutely. not uh, holding myself What, what do you give it out of one, one out of five, Annie? 
innovation. You know, I don't really have any of the MacGyverisms other than the plastic and fishing line thing that were yeah. super memorable. There was a rope episode. snare at one point, but yeah, yeah, there weren't any of them like really cool. Like I escaped from a place using nothing but a paper yeah. clip. Like that didn't really take place. So two. I mean, there was the water thing. Yes, the water clock. That was the big thing this episode. The and water a lot of times, was a lot of times they are clever enough to get a MacGyverism in like every ten to twelve minutes, and this felt yeah. like no, he was too busy being understanding the whole time. <laughs> and the, yeah, you know. that's not what I'm here for. So <laughs> let's let's go to yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a two as well. I think that's about right. Um, okay, one one through five. 80s cool factor. How cool was this as it compares to other pop culture '80s shit? I'd say this before, I guess it's pretty, it's pretty eighties. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty peak eighties. Yeah. I mean, if for no other reason than the hoverboat, <laughs> that felt very eighties cool to me. Like when I was a kid, I definitely wanted a hoverboat. What do you, what do you think, Annie? One to five eighties. Cool. Oh, for eighties. It was really eighties. Um, yeah. It felt the, yeah. It, it was very eighties, including the technology that they were using for oh, the yeah, hearing the computer. test. Yeah. Um, that computer was super eighties, the furniture, the wardrobe, the hair, it was sure. all incredibly eighties. So yeah, 4.5, mm-hmm. 4.5. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a four as well. Great. Uh, we have a couple of bonus categories. This is just yes or no. Does he help out an old friend? It's hard to say whether he knew Carrie before this episode. Well, they've been working on the project for How three long? months. Oh, right. that's true. I mean, this we kind of caught them midway through the project. True. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's classified as an old friend, but we can give them the points if you want. Yeah, let's give them the points. All right, great. Um, if yes, does that friend die? Because he loses points if his friend dies. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, she doesn't not, die. She's not dying. <laughs> no, maybe her heart dies. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this now was born out of like six people in season one dying that were old friends of MacGyver's. Uh, was he was he detained against his will at any point in this episode? Um, no, but she was. She was, but he was never detained. All right. Uh, that is it. That is, it's classified. It's time to reveal the results. Out of a total 100 possible points, this episode receives 48 points. <laughs> <laughs> Making it, what does that make it? Trash. Uh, yeah, it's fourth, uh, fourth from the bottom. Uh, okay. Below it are Jack of Lies, Final Approach, and Eagles. Uh, top one is still the Wish Child for no goddamn reason at all. Um, and that is it. I already disagree with our own rankings. I know, right? I <laughs> can't wait. We're only um, nine episodes in. Um, uh, any parting thoughts, anything about this episode or anything else that uh, I missed or you want to talk about or mention? Jenny, thanks for being here twice. No, I, I think I'm all good. I think I feel like I've, I've my feelings were said and my part's been <laughs> been said thanks for having me guys absolutely so yeah fun. thanks for doing it anything you want to say annie no unlike in my dreams i feel like i was heard <laughs> um and affirmed and so i feel good about that oh uh, that's really yeah. why we started this podcast so you'd have someone to <laughs> affirm your beliefs really no one else was listening <laughs> to me <so. laughs> All right, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and our socials and our Patreon. It's all at The MacGyver Pod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can check them out for free on Pluto TV or watch for the CBS All Access account, or you can buy the episodes on Amazon Prime. Join us next week when we'll be breaking down Season 2, Episode 10, Three for the Road. 
Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are the adventures of life. Good night, everybody. Good night.